0: It is good to be here with all of you this morning and pray that as we come into this moment, uh, the stirring of Christ in your heart is getting you ready for whatever God is going to reveal to you. Uh, I'm just glad you're all here, but I want to give a special shout out. I'm so glad to see Kelly Martin back in worship with us today. Uh, Kelly is such a nice guy. St. Joe's Hospital did not want to let him go. They said, we want to keep you, we love you, but we're glad you came to us, Kelly, we're glad you're here, Pat, we're glad you're here and glad you're out and to celebrate uh, where you are today. Uh, I invite you, uh, before uh, Luke reads the scripture, to have this understanding, Luke's coming out and, and he's going to share with you a passage of scripture that comes at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus' entire ministry has come to a conclusion. His, his birth story, his calling of the first disciples, all of the teachings he taught, all the miracles he performed, all the challenges that he faced, the time of his death, the, the time of the, all that betrayal that led up to his death. The resurrection, even the post-resurrection appearances, that's all past now. It's all over, and Jesus is getting ready to leave the world for the last time physically until he comes back to the end of time. And so in this very poignant moment, as he's getting ready to go, he turns back to those who are gathered around him, his disciples, to tell them this thing that they can't forget. Here's the thing I want to make sure you remember. Here's exactly what I need you to do. and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Luke. Would you join me in prayer? We do not trust alone, Lord, our own offerings today to be sufficient, the words in my mouth, the music, even the prayers, the fellowship that occurs, all that is given to you. We pray that you'll take it and make it more than they are on their own. We pray that you'll bless them to be holy, reflecting not us but you, guiding us not only to each other but to you, and taking us into a world where we will always know that your presence goes before us. So bless this time, the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts and minds, all of this to your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it has been an amazing September. Back in the spring, as we were thinking about anticipating what this September would look like, uh, we began thinking about some images, and one of those was grace overflows, and Part of that came out of the fact that grace was already flowing through and around this ministry and things were happening that were truly out of our control to the glory of God. And so we anticipated that September would be a continuation of that. So we had the theme grace overflowing. Well, I will tell you, it is my testimony to you that I sure believe that grace has overflowed in this last month. Amen. Amen. Let me give you some context of that. You remember, of course, our first Sunday where we had the church picnic. We launched our season. We offered the church catalog to you that that you've seen that you can still pick up to tell you about all the ministries coming up the rest of this fall so you can anticipate them, become a part of them. And then we had a consecration Sunday with the commission piece, the bishop preaching, 700-some people here. It was just crazy wonderful. Last Sunday, the blessing of the teachers which was a great service. For me, the highlight was after service, watching young kids take their Clarkston school teachers and showing them around, giving the tour to the building. That was so cool. It's just been one of those kinds of, of months that don't come along very often. You already heard uh, Hallie share about what's happening up in children's ministry. It reflects also what's happening in youth ministry. Also reflects what's going on here. 25% increase in worship this September over last September. 44% increase of in people who are watching online right now the worship service. Glad you're here. In the month of September, compared to last year, seventy-three percent increase of first-time visitors who signed in to come into this church. Amen. In addition to that, throughout the week, I keep running into people. Uh, I, you know, I come out into the grand hallway at the various times of the week. The uh, front porch coffee is open. People are hanging around, drinking coffee and and connecting and. And i go come in on Monday morning, walking in from uh, my house to come in the building, walked in the community center, and I was filled with people playing pickleball on a Monday morning. Who knew? And uh, then on Monday, Tuesday, uh, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, I have walked in the community center and seen over 50 people doing f- senior fitness. What a hoot. <laughs> no, it's great. Hoot is a theological term. It means really cool. That's what that means. It's just just all kinds of things going on in the life and happening in this ministry. And and when we were first thinking about this, September, to be honest with you, the term that I came up with in my own mind was not overflowing grace, but seize the moment. Now, it wasn't that we didn't stay with that, but it seemed to me like, man, you don't get launches of ministries and buildings and all this kind of stuff all the time. So you want to seize the moment. You take the opportunity when grace overflows to be able to maximize it to the glory of God, I certainly think that's happened. But over the last few weeks, I've also talked to a variety of people, both in the church and outside of the church, who've come to say, hey, great stuff, the place looks good and everything. So why'd you do all this? And sometimes the folks would say, well, I know that you're hoping to grow the congregation. Well, of course... We are looking to grow the congregation. We want to have a a ministry that continues to touch more lives. We're not looking to become a bigger church for the sake of becoming a bigger church, but we are looking forward to reaching more people for the sake of Christ. Someone else said to me very bluntly, well, I know you're going to get these new people in so they can help pay the bills. No, that's not why we did this. Because I'm going to tell you what I already know. When God gave the vision for this and gave us the ability to accomplish this vision, God already has a plan for us to pay the bills. Now, it's going to come through you. Let me not be secret about that. (laughs) But we didn't do this to get more people to pay bills. Why do we do this? Why is God using us in this way at this time in our history? What's the purpose? Well, If you think about our individual purpose, why are we called by Jesus? We get a lot of answers to why that might be. If you go to Micah 6, 8, you might say, well, my personal quest as a disciple of Jesus Christ is to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God. If I could do that in my life, to do justice, love and live kindly, and to walk humbly. That'd be a, wouldn't you want that kind of life? Wouldn't that be a great life? That's not a bad calling. Some would say my calling, my personal calling, is just to be drawn closer to God through Jesus Christ. I just want each day for today to be, I feel closer to God than I did yesterday. That's, that's all I'm looking for. That's not a bad quest. Some people say, I just want to be a good person. I want to be the best person I can be. I want to be able to treat others as I would want them to treat me. Not a bad personal journey to go on. We all have different values about what we see as our personal quest, about what we believe God is calling us to do. But as a group... As, as all of us together, whenever we're together, let there be no mistake, there is one job description. And most of us don't know what it is. How many of you, before you walked into church today, if asked, and we're all friends here, so there's no, this is a no-judgment zone, right? Okay, we're good. How many of you would have known... How to answer the question, what is the Great Commission? How many of you would have lifted your hand yes for that? Okay. Most of you aren't lifting your hand. Some of you because you're shy. But most of you reflect the majority of churchgoers in this country. The reason I know that is because they put a survey out in the field that asked people... What is the Great Commission? And over 51% of people going to churches across this country, all denominations, had no idea what the Great Commission was. I don't have time to tell you what they guessed at and were wrong about. But the Great Commission is the job description of the church. It's what we're called to be. So what is it? Well, folks... Look at the front of your bulletin. Or read the scripture for today. I want you to understand this. Jesus has done everything he can do up to this point. I mean, literally. I mean, he came back from the dead. I mean, that's quite a bit. And the last few minutes, he wants you to understand, here's what I need you guys to do. You guys and gals, all of you together. I need you to go out into the world and to make disciples in my name, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I've commanded you. That's the job description of the church. Whenever believers gather together, we do that work of caring for each other and equipping each other to go on those personal pathways I identified earlier, but let's not mistake the idea Jesus was really clear I need you as a community to be focused on these things. Make disciples. Baptize. And teach. For us, our task then is to continue to go out, always offering this, what we know about, the joy of living with Jesus Christ to others, to make disciples. I want to say a word about the making of disciples That seems intimidating and scary to some people. It may seem that perhaps we need to go take people and, and recreate them in our own image. No, we're to invite people to follow the pathway of Jesus Christ. And knowing that you might do that differently than I do, it doesn't threaten us here. I care that you're following Jesus Christ and God is going to use you differently than me because guess what, he made you differently than me. And he needs us all to do that common works, but we are making disciples. We offer to others. The church is not created to be a place where we find other people that we like and get along with each other on most days and do what we like to do. Called to be a place where we reach out that others might grow and become disciples in the way in which Jesus called us to do. It's not indoctrination. It's not going to somebody's life and saying, I'm going to bring you in the church, I'm going to make you believe exactly as I believe. It's invitation, not indoctrination. It's an invitation, let's walk this together. Uh, Here's what I think, here's what I've come to believe. What do you believe? What do you think? And respect each other in those differences but continue to stay focused on Jesus Christ. I love the passage of the scripture that you read today where it says, "Up on the mountain tumps, they worshiped him and some doubted." Any doubters here? Anybody here ever have doubts on your faith journey? I'm the only one apparently. It's okay. There's space for you up there with Jesus. You can worship and doubt at the same time. Guess what? You can preach and doubt at the same time. And I got to tell you this story. 9 o'clock didn't hear it because it didn't happen before 9 o'clock. And I'm going to give credit because I love this man, Phil Haar. Phil Haar, he will would not care that I called him out. Phil Haar is one of the guys I love the most because he has come to me. We've been walking together in faith for a lot of years. And, and he's one of these, you know really smart people, you know, and he he tries to make things make sense, and sometimes faith doesn't always make sense, amen, and so he always talks to me about his doubt, so he came to me between service, he says, Rick, I think it's time, and he was really serious about this, we're going to have this conversation, I really think it's time for us to start a doubters club. He, he was serious about He said, we got to create a space where people in this community can offer to people out in the community, man, if you don't know what you believe and you have doubt, come on over, we'll talk. Not to indoctrinate you, but to invite you into a conversation. I love that, because apparently in the Scriptures, you can worship and doubt at the same time. How lovely is that? That's making disciples, not in our image or according to an indoctrination, but into an invitational relationship focused on Jesus. Let's have that. To baptize. Well, who in this church can baptize right now? The ones in the robes, the black robes. Let me be clear, okay? But that's not what this is talking about. It's not saying run around and splash water on people. It's saying go out and be the people who've been splashed with water. It's saying, go out and live your life as the baptized. When you're out in the community, don't forget you're baptized. Live your life that reflects the fact that you are washed in the unconditional grace of Jesus Christ and live your life that way. That will invite conversation. How many of you started this morning, you got out of bed, before you got up that first step, you went, thank God I am baptized. Anybody else do that? Probably not. But how would your day change if you started the the day every day recognizing before anyone else has gotten to you, I'm a baptized child of God. Everyone who wants to run me down, everyone who wants to stress out my life, everybody who wants to, no. Before y'all get to me, because you are the ones who get to me, before you get to me, I'm a baptized child of Jesus Christ. I'm washed in grace. And that water, as we say in the liturgy, cannot be washed off. Go out and be live baptized. Let the world know that's who you are. And that's what you have to give. So make disciples and baptize. Be the baptized in my name. And then teach everything that I have taught. Well, in the catalog that I just shared, lifted up with you, wherever I just put it, the catalog here, it talks about all the classes that you have an opportunity to learn from in this um, fall including the fact that Megan's getting ready to start a class is it next week, the 9th, right? On the 9th, on Enough by Adam Hamilton. Megan, would you stand up and go to the center here for a second? I want you to see Megan Walther. She is a mighty, powerful being, is she not? <laughs> she had no knowledge I was going to do this so I didn't do it at 9 o'clock. But look at her, as tough and strong as she is. We're putting the entire weight of the Great Commission, the teaching, on her for the month of October. No, we're not. Now, if you are already living an abundant life and you're at peace with all the issues of your life, you don't need to take her class. If you're not, you might want to take her class. But let me tell you this. The month of October... Are we going to put it all on Megan? Or maybe understand the Great Commission says your job description is to teach what you know about Jesus Christ. Your job description. I don't know enough about Jesus Christ. You know enough about Jesus Christ. You came in the door today. And that's all you need to know to teach. And most of your teaching won't be done by word. It'll be done by example you got people all around you who are learning about you by the way you live your life, how you conduct yourself, what you say, what you won't say, how you treat others. You're teaching. And the church is called to teach every one of us. If we put it all on, Megan, for the month of October, it'll be powerful, but it won't be that large. But if I put every one of you in the field... Following your job description as the church, and you're going out to witness who Jesus Christ is to the entire world, can you imagine the impact you're going to have? The Great Commission is our corporate job description. And most of us walked in this morning not even knowing what it was, which is why in the spring of this year, I said on September 30th, I'm going to make sure everyone in worship walks out knowing the Great Commission. You know what it is now? Cuz I'm going to keep preaching till you know it. Do you know what it is now? <laughs> you know what it is? All right, see, now you're more excited, okay? Because why does it matter? Here's why it matters. Most churches don't know it. They don't live it out, which is why most people don't care about most churches. They're irrelevant. They're closed clubs. They're not concerned with others. It's also why in this country right now, anywhere between 100 and 200 churches a week are closing. Because these churches have forgotten their job description. They begin to believe that their job is primarily to take care of themselves, to do it the way they like to do it. And if someone wants to come in, they're welcome, but you've got to learn it the way we do it. And most churches who die have given up worrying about anybody outside the walls or begin to think they could have anything to offer to anybody outside the walls. Thomas Rainier, who's, a, who's a, an author in the Christian world, says that if churches are going to live out their calling, here are the five things they need to do. First is remember our purpose. I just told you your purpose, didn't I? Do you know what it is? If you don't start answering yes, I'm going to keep preaching. Do you know what it is? (laughs) So that's your purpose. So you need to start living that out. We need to live it out, not because of an ought to, but because you get to opportunity. We need to be a house of prayer. We need to understand we will not succeed in anything because of our dazzling personality and abilities. We will succeed on the power of prayer and the movement of God through each and every one of us. His third one is we must cease seeing the church as a place of comfort. Now, I got pushed back, and I get it. We do offer comfort here. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this is a place where you can find comfort and safety. But the church all too, time, all too many times has turned that into a value, of saying we want to keep everything comfortable here, never deal with anything hard. Life's hard. People are hurting And not everyone will always agree with you. Get over it. Do the thing that God needs you to do. Do the thing that Jesus is requiring us to do, even when you get pushed back, because the ways of God will not always be readily accepted by the world, but it's hard and it's wonderful and we'll do it. Emphasize discipleship. Every one of us in this room, including yours, who's preaching, has so much yet to learn about faith. And when I stop learning, I stop giving an opportunity for fresh gifts to be given to others. And to be externally focused is the fifth thing he said, which is why we built all this and are doing all this. It's not for us, it's for the community. And so, today we find ourselves in the middle of a very busy community. Last night at 10 o'clock, I walked out of my front door, I live right next to the church, and our parking lot was full. I thought, oh my God, I forgot a worship service. (laughs) Church was dark, nobody was inside the building. I don't know what was going uptown, I'm sure it was a holy thing. I don't know. There were some beer bottles broken in the parking lot overnight. I'm sure it's because people were throwing down their love of alcohol. I'm sure that's what was going on. Anyway, the point is, the parking lot was a blessing to the community last night. And today, they couldn't do taste of Clarkston without us. Do you know parking lots are a big deal in Clarkston. They get a lot of attention. So we, because of our job description, are going to continue to light a parking lot so people are safe using our parking lot so we can assist the community to be a holier place. And in light of that today, if you park in our parking lot, we're going to give out water to people who might be thirsty. We're going to give out cookies that our youngest children help pack because we want to teach our youngest children that's what you do. And, later on today, in our parking lot, there's going to be a lemonade stand put up by Katie Miller's friends because she was injured in an accident this past summer with a spinal issue, and so they're going to do fundraising and give the proceeds to the Christopher Reese Foundation. And one of the things I learned early in my life is whatever else you do, you never, never, Ever anywhere in the world go buy a child's lemonade stand without buying it. <laughs> right? That's true. It's terrible lemonade but that's not the point. <laughs> it's why we offer this space. Because we've come to understand what our job description is. This is not about us. Man, isn't it a privilege to be a part of it? Isn't it a joy to be sent out, not unaccompanied? Lo, I'll be with you always to the ends of the age. So, as we go and jump out into a parking lot that's going to be a zoo to get out of, don't show anybody unholy signs if they cut you off as you leave. <laughs> Pray for them. (laughs) Because the truth is, every one of you in this room got here because somebody invited you. Somebody created a space for you. Somebody welcomed you. And you know how important this place is to you. Someone once asked, if you knew the cure to cancer, what would you do with that knowledge? Would you keep it for just your friends? Or would you give it to the world? You know the secret to abundant life. You know how to find grace to get you through hell. You know holy friendships. You know the power of God. You now know your job description. To the glory of God, let's go do it. Amen.